Oh, thank you. George, so are you. George is always looking good, man. He's fit. Uh, we're live. Welcome, David Marsh, George Pavel. Uh, David's coming from Rome. You're, you're at the pool. George, where are you coming from? I'm from uh, Comox, British Columbia. British Columbia. Okay, perfect. Well, nice. this is cool. Thanks for joining. David, uh, exciting times out on the pool deck, hey? Yeah, it's been crazy. The, uh, the, the, I mean, the swim, obviously, last night by, by David was uh, took everyone's uh, level of excitement to a whole nother level. Although mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it, it, the, 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 the Italian fans, the Italian crowd, have just been one of the best, most entertaining groups I've ever seen with how well the Italians are doing. Their, uh, their, their fans are loving them. They're shouting and singing the national anthem and clapping. And, you know, it's just, it's just a wonderful to see this much passion, especially in this setting. This is, uh, this is a epic setting and to see it, uh, to see the Italians getting to have sort of a home party like they are is, is really special. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. George, I mean, you haven't been around officially a pool deck for a few years, but I guess the buzz uh, of somebody swimming this fast at 17 and breaking this world record, uh, it kind of hits everybody, doesn't it? It really does. Um, And we get excited about the potential for the sport. If someone is doing this at 17, what are they going to be doing at 25? Will we see a 4,500 freestyle? Mm. Mm. And I think it takes people like this to, to come along and shatter the old paradigm of what used to be fast. Yep. And I uh, yep. get us thinking in new ways. He's doing a lot of yeah. things that are very special. And um, his approach is, is different from the, I would say, the last crop that came through that was trying to be more about um, being very strong and big and heavy. Mm. Now it's about more mm. finesse and feel and, and the importance of a good strength to weight ratio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we, we're going to analyze all that. David, you put some interesting comments in a chat today, a group chat with a lot of coaches, where you talked about the fact that um, his mental state, he was very kind of, uh, you know, aware of the, the impact, right, the, the world record impact and, and taking down some legends like Cesar Cielo who held this world record for many years, but all the other people that came before him as well, you know, and I think he understands that, but he, there's also a part of him that is thinking bigger than just the world record. Is That's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, I was driving over today with one of the Romanian coaches sitting next to him sort of picking his brain on what he knew about David, and, and that's exactly what he said. He said, look, David is, uh, he honors the former champions, but he's not, uh, he's not sort of intimidated or taken by them. He, he's, 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 he's really his own man and he has his own plan. He and his coach mm-hmm. since he's nine years old have been together. So they're, they're working on this plan. And as George said, it's not being done the traditional way or and it's certainly accelerated beyond a time frame that most of us would have thought honestly, even possible, you know, we, yeah. you know, I would have thought in my paradigm that a, a guy would need to be uh, more mature, a little bit stronger to create enough power to generate enough power. But uh, your, your, your uh, uh, post about comparing him to Anthony Irvin, I think is very true because, you know, Anthony uh, couldn't jump, you know, 12 inches off the ground, but once mm-hmm. he hit the water, you know, he was a barracuda and didn't, mm-hmm. didn't disturb any water. So, it's the it's the game of uh, minimizing resistance, and I think for the uh, a guy with a mentality 
of, of David. It seems like we have a perfect storm in this young man, and, uh, and it's, it's a real pleasure to get to get to observe this and get to, to you know, you know, get to just watch him sort of operate uh, from afar. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about that, the comparison a little bit to Anthony as well. David, you coached Anthony in 2016, but George, uh, Anthony's one of your closest and dearest friends, and and you know Anthony as well as anybody. And and I guess what we're trying to do here is figure out how a man like this does travel across the water so fast. So um, you've got really interesting perspectives on these things, George. So what, what do you think about the comparison between Kevin Anthony and and David here, and what do you know about Anthony that you can kind of conceptualize for us to help us figure out how these guys do it? Um, well, since I stopped swimming, I got really into Ayurveda, the traditional Indian medicine. And it's very insightful. It provides a lot of um, good ways to conceptualize nature. And when I look at Anthony through the lens of Ayurveda, I can see that um, he's got a very finely tuned nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's his nature. It's the nature of his organism to be sensitive to the environment. Mm -hmm. And I see that in um, David Popovici as well. It's, if I was to compare it to, to an animal, it's slightly more of a predisposition towards being like, like a deer. You know, the deer's eyes are darting and its ears are moving mm -hmm. around. It's very sensitive, and when you apply this to the, to the sport of swimming, it, it gives you an increased feel for the water. Mm. It's to keep the maximum pressure, the right angle, the right hold on the water to allow for, for maximum propulsion. Because otherwise, if you don't have that sensitivity, maybe you have a little bit more muscle, you can end up pulling the water that you've already sent moving. And in that way, you cavitate and you don't actually propel yourselves forward as much. Mm. But mm. I, I see that sensitivity. And when that sensitivity is combined with a high level of self-awareness, it can be a very powerful combination. So mm. that you're not just reacting to the environment, but you can sense and then intentionally act. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting uh, way to think of it, David. Really, th these concepts are, are kind of out there in the sense, but they, they're so... Accurate. When I listen to George talk, um, it makes so much sense to me because I know these athletes intimately. I know the George Bavels of the world. I know the Anthony Irvins, David Pop, and you know these guys. And so a lot of times as coaches, we want to say, uh, here's the program. Go and do this. This will make you faster. You're right. And and it's it's beyond that for these guys, isn't it? Yeah, really interesting. The fact that, I, uh, that I've certainly observed uh, with David since I've been here at the meet, the day, the, the day before the meet, uh, he got in the water about when I got there and then he was in the water for two hours the day before the meet. And he was doing all kinds of little things. He was doing some smooth descent swimming. He was doing some skill work and he was doing a little bit of butterfly. Then he was doing some fast turns back and forth with his coach on the watch and I asked his coach, I said, what, uh, why is he in the water this long? And he's, he just says, well, he, he has things he's doing. He needs to get done. And he's taking breaks and, and taking his time doing them. And he loves the water. And I think that's what George, to some degree, is saying, is that uh, he, he's developed a relationship with the water that's uh, based on uh, sort of a sense that allows him to understand how to, how to uh, make the most of, of what, he, what he does have. And, and then even yesterday morning, 
one of my, the, uh, the Israeli coaches is watching him warm up also, and he's in the water for an hour and a half, an hour of general swimming, and then 30 minutes, 30 minutes of sculling in different mm. ways. Mm. So you, he's doing some things uh, that, that certainly indicate he has a feeling, like George is saying, that, that uh, you know, he's, he's got a sense of the water. And I think we all try to get that. In fact, George was one of the best to me. Uh, his, uh, George, when you were you know, swimming the IM and your ability to, to seek out uh, efficient water in all four strokes, when you came out of bowls, you were no, you were no giant strong man. You were, mm. you were slender and long and lean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you, you know, you knew how to feel the water as well as anyone. And I, and I think that had to do with your, your diving you came from in Trinidad and Tobago when you were, uh, diving off your dad's boat. I mean, I think you, you learned a relationship with the water that was different than what I had seen in sort of athletes coming out of the weight room, let's say. So I, I think it's an exciting time. And I think we're, we really are into something else that's, uh, that, that I think could, could open this sport up to another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and you, we all knew a man that kind of used to think this way. And um, Richard Quick was a thinker like this. When I when I would have conversations with Richard, he was always thinking, Brett, I, I appreciate that somebody's going to swim 46 soon. But you know what? In 20 years, someone's going to be swimming 45. But Richard would always think 20 years ahead. And, and that's kind of what George is talking about here now is the possibility of somebody actually swimming 45. Conceptually, it doesn't make any sense to us right now. But after seeing this swim yesterday, and I want to I want to show this swim in a minute. There's some there's still so much room for improvement with this kid, and the fact that he's 17 years old. So, uh, George, it's a, it is exciting in that respect, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Um, and this is also going to open the mind of so many up and coming swimmers. Mm-hmm. I think this is something like the. Now we're going to. See going to have this mental block that that is in the way of them being their best version of their of their selves because they believe they're too young mm. you know when i get to my 20s then i'll be fast so we might see mm. some 15 year olds some 16 year olds start coming down into the 47s mm. Mm. yeah so true it is yeah he for, for a 17 year old even and I'll look i was having conversations with him when he was 16 i think you've all seen these conversations this kid was very controlled, even at 16, saying, look, there's time for this, but it is going to happen. And this, this is a 16-year-old thinking about this. It's crazy. So let's try and have a look at this swim if we can here. You guys can see this? Oh, Nate, what'd you do? Can't hear you. Hey, there you are. What'd you do? I just put it up on YouTube instead. Oh, okay. Let's have a look at it. Yours, uh, video is not super clear, is it? Yeah, 
Where'd you go, Nate? The second half is where it all happens, really, isn't it? I mean... Take it down. Um, pull that away for us, Nate. Perfect. Um, George, you've seen the swim. Uh, what, what are you seeing initially? Okay, the first thing I noticed is his build. He's much mm -hmm. lighter, much leaner than all the other swimmers in the field. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, we have to understand that brings a great advantage in terms of the strength to weight ratio. Because very often you see some swimmers, you, you ever see men who get so big and strong that they can hardly do any pull-ups anymore? Mm -hmm. There's that sweet spot. And I think we were seeing a, an era of swimming where everybody wanted to be big and strong like Manadu. Mm -hmm. We thought mm -hmm. that's what you had to do to be really fast. And maybe mm -hmm. we're seeing that swimming is going to move in the direction of, of like boxing or, or judo where they're it's almost in the same way that those athletes would try to be as light as possible, but also as strong and fast as possible. Because if David was um, putting on 20 pounds of muscle and had to carry that for a whole hundred meters, would he still be able to finish as quickly? Would he still be able to, to have that endurance, you know? And I think yeah. um, part of it comes because he's so light. And when you're being light like that, each pull, Imagine I'm pulling on a, a lap machine. If I'm doing 100 pulls, but if each pull is 10 pounds heavier, man, at the end of those 100 pulls, I'm going to be exhausted. But if I can reduce that weight by 10, 20 pounds, then I'm going to be able to keep pulling in a very explosive way all the way to the end. So there are incredible advantages to being light and being strong at the same time. Yeah. And David, Oh, I was going to say, um, uh, in terms of the, the lightness and quickness, does, does that play a factor, David, you think, in his ability to maintain speed on the way home as well? Well, I think it sets the whole thing up. George is absolutely right. I think the fact that he's, he's so light in the water, uh, first of all, he's minimized resistance. He's not using much energy. He's the, the 20, his 22-7 is, is, is floating. And if you notice, he doesn't really dig in till till the second uh, till the second really the, at about 70, 65, 70 meters. He really begins to lean into it and accelerate. All the while, he hasn't used a lot of energy yet to get to that point, so he's able to charge the whole finish. You know, at the World Championships, he did a, his best swim was his prelim swim of the very first race, and uh, and and I think he learned from that and was able to uh, navigate each of his races to, to find something a little bit better. Uh, he mm. went under 47 in the semis. And then, and then uh, uh, I mean, and I, I honestly didn't think he'd break the record because he had two big guys next to him. And I thought the turbulence off the wall would stand him up a little bit more. Uh, but again, because he's so narrow, he just slips through that, that bow wave that's trailing him at 50 meters. And, and he did, it didn't seem to slow him down. He, see, he seemed to be able to get away from the wall really well. And, uh, and I, I do believe that his, his – his, I don't even know what his strength is. I'm guessing he can do, you know, 10 or 15 pull-ups. But 
certainly for looking at his muscle structure, it's a boy muscle structure. It's not mm. man stuff. And, and his biggest challenge may be to not put on, you know, 15 pounds of muscle. Uh, mm. Who knows about that? Probably, probably make him a better 50 hundred guy, which he'll be able to do for the next 20 years probably. But for mm. the sake of becoming a hundred long course, 200 summer, you know, I think this is something he has to consider. You know, I had one of Jeff mm. Dugdale's Queens guy uh, just, you know, asking me in the bleachers, you know, he's 1850 freestyle yards. And he says, how is he doing this? How is he doing this? And so one thing he's doing is he's not worried about short course yards. You know, when he's putting his hand in the water, it's a full extension where he's getting some lift forces with the way he's putting his hand in. He's not driving his hand down like a, like a, you know, short course yard sort of sprinter would. He's actually riding the hand and getting lift forces at the extension of the front on freestyle, even in a hundred when normally you'd think, you have to be carving downward into your catch right away. He's actually getting a full extension, riding it fully out before he sets his catch. And his catch is a pretty shallow catch, probably because he's not that strong yet. Mm. Uh, so, you know, uh, Russell Mark was, is here with me with Israel. And uh, we did an evaluation yesterday, er, today. And, and uh, you know, he does that triangle at the front. So at the front of his stroke, he's creating that triangle that Russell always talks about when he talks about freestyle. But he actually does it quite shallow for a 100 freestyler. But he's obviously learned that for his uh, strength-to-weight ratio, that that's where it needs to be. And uh, he's, yeah. he's, coached, he's coached by a guy that seems to be very advanced and very knowledgeable at the next level. And uh, uh, he's done studies well, well in advance of David's development, even mm. though he's had him since nine. Uh, I compared him in that you saw in that group chat. I compared him to Bob Bowman. You know, when when Michael Phelps got Bob Bowman, Bob was already advanced in his knowledge. And mm-hmm. this coach, it appears, uh, has also done a great job of studying <clears throat> through the internet and doing his own, yeah. own self study on yeah. how he can walk with David through the process. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to share this real quick. Um, this one. Look at this here. Okay, good. This is good. So these are the stats here, George. And, you know, like numbers are one thing, but I'll I'll tell you this at the world in the world championship final, he went out in exactly the same time, 22, seven, as he did here, but he came back a lot slower, 24, eight. I think he came back home at the world championships. Now, when I look at the two swims uh, from the world champ final to yesterday's final, the 22, seven looked a lot harder to me. Have you had a situation, George, where you've swum exactly the same time, but because of the pressure and because of the, you know, the the presence of the people around you and those the expectations and things, it just seems harder. <clears throat> definitely, definitely. Sometimes you can carry a lot of tension in your body. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it seems that it seems when I look at it here that this twenty two seven from last night seemed just a lot more controlled to me. Just looking at it, it looked like he had a, so much self-awareness, so much control, so much sensitivity in his nervous system that he could feel mm-hmm. exactly the pace he was going at, and he gently pressed the accelerator there. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yep. didn't flood the engine. He gradually accelerated. Right. And he was breathing Which is every smart. two, the whole way. Really, he breathed every two. Taking yeah. Taking lots of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is that important, George? Like you've had swims, obviously, where you, for, the, for those that don't know what that feeling like is in the 100 freestyle when, when it hits you, why is the oxygen important? 
Well, um, the 100 free is really driven by the legs. You're burning mm -hmm. your legs full speed, lifting you, pushing you through the water. And your legs are your biggest muscles, and they're burning the most oxygen. And if you can get a lot of mm -hmm. oxygen into you, you can sustain mm -hmm. the output from the legs for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what it looked like it did. He, he did here. He went out in that 22.7, as you said, slowly pressing that accelerator. But he had so much more on the back end. You look at the difference between the second 25 and the fourth 25 they're almost identical so like it, on the last 25 here when he should really be tightening up and slowing down he's almost gone at exactly the same speed as his second 25 coming off that dive and through that momentum he's carrying incredible speed into that last 25 there it's just uh it's phenomenal he's he's the rhythm is really sustaining him he's so good with that rhythm mm-hmm yeah and then uh and then his his stroke stroke rate too the length the length of stroke i mean david we we spend so much time talking about working on length of stroke and this is kind of these are the stats you want right when you look at this i mean he starts off at 53 but the the lowest he gets to is a 50 keeps it very controlled here doesn't he i think we lost david <clears throat> yeah, I think we did. George, talk, talk to me about stroke length. What does that mean for people that don't fully understand it? <clears throat> it's, a, it's a very subtle thing, actually, because if you, you glide for too long, you don't go as fast. You decelerate through the water. Mm -hmm. But at the mm -hmm. same time, if you try to muscle it and try to pull and then immediately try to pull again, not only are you using a little bit more energy, but once you set that water that you've begun to pull in motion, and if you don't have the presence, the composure to allow for enough glide until you start to decelerate, and mm. you immediately rush to pull the water again, you can cavitate. So your hand gets in and you pull, and you're, you're moving the hand into the water that you've already set moving. So it's yeah. a lot less efficient, and you don't get as much of a drive forward. But I think because of David's very sensitive nervous system, he's able to really feel just exactly when he starts to decelerate, when his body starts to decelerate. And then he begins that new pulling phase, a pulling clean, yeah. fresh water that's not moving. Yeah. I want to try this uh, video one more time. That. And I, th I think a lot of uh, swimmers, when the race gets difficult at the end of the race, they aren't really present in the race anymore. They're like, hurry up, get to the end. And they just kind of like, <laughs> they, they, mm. turn off their, they turn off their sensitivity because it hurts. Mm. So they're not willing to feel the pain anymore. They're just kind of gritting and grinding. But I think what we see with David Popovich is he, he keeps his sensitivity all the way through the race, even though it's probably starting to be, to be painful, but he's present in his body, present with his senses, feeling the water to maintain that distance of distance per stroke yeah yeah uh david uh marsh you with us you there i don't know i think he lost uh i think he lost reception let's let's see if we can play this video one more time because it didn't work the first time i want to play it on on Oh, 
still can't believe, George, that I'm looking at a board that says 46 on it for 100 freestyle. It's, it's madness, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Brett, as someone who coached the old world record holder to break the old world record, um, what do you see? Can you take us through through it from your experience? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's actually really interesting. And I, and I do want to say this to people that um, I, ha- I was very excited yesterday for the possibility of the world champ uh, the world record being broken uh, only because i'd love to see the sport move forward and look i feel like i've been living with this world record as part of me because i helped coach it for the past 13 years and i've gone through a range of emotions with this thing right at first there's an immense pride and then there was actually a period of um kind of uh, being very defensive towards it. We, we, we had this outcry of uh, it was a cheater's world record because we had these suits, right, and, and this whole suit, you know, controversy. And so I went through a period of time where I vigorously defended this world, world record, you know, for many years. Um, then I went through a period of like, okay, um, I, I, want, I want someone to get it. And then now the real possibility of, of, of somebody coming up on it, there, there's been a number of people recently actually with, with Dressel and Chalmers and um, Kalishnikov and, and many guys around that mark. And I was, I was hoping that somebody would, um, but I was, on a, I, was, I, was about to, I was about to lay down yesterday and I felt a real sense of um, kind of depression after about five or six hours, George, that this world record was gone. You know, it's like something that when it's taken away from you, eventually you, you do feel like, wow, that that's kind of sad. So in terms of it being gone, and so I had a moment where I actually reached out to Caesar and uh, we, we actually got to start to talking about this world record. And it's funny, he said he felt the same way in terms of, um, you know, the happiness he felt for David, uh, but then the sense of, kind of loss as well you know and uh so we kind of had this moment together yesterday caesar and i and we were reminiscing about it and and it did bring back a lot of memories from that moment of when we actually broke this record in rome and um and the preparation that went into this world record too i mean you were part of that preparation with us and and the work that we did so you're very in tune to the type of work that we were doing it's it's nothing like the type of work that david Popovich is doing, uh, from what I understand, he's doing, you know, 60, 70, 80 kilometers a week. That's not what we did to prepare for this thing. We took it more from the, the sense of, um, you know, the, the power and the, and the explosiveness and, um, you know, the back end endurance was obviously important to us, but it wasn't, it wasn't a main focus. The main focus was actually getting out with speed. And I think if you look at the world record caesar went out at that time in 22-1 so a much faster front end and that was kind of the way that we were approaching it back then george um we were we were very much on the attack you know like we wanted to get out in front and we wanted to stay out in front that was kind of the mindset of like break them early with your speed use your strengths our strengths obviously for most of the guys in our group at that time, you included, you know, Caesar and Fred Busquet, our, our strength were, was our speed, our top end speed. And so we, we as a group wanted to use that. And that was kind of the idea behind it. I do remember getting some analysis, kind of like what we just looked at um, after the semifinal and, and thinking to Caesar, like, uh, you know, working on his stroke length a little bit. I remember, I remember saying to him, 
you know, you went out in um, this many strokes and you came back in this many strokes. If we can, if we can come out, if we can go out with a few less and come back with a few less, I think you can break this world record. And so that was kind of the idea of like going out with speed, but not trying too hard to go out at that top end. So like, I think we went out in 22-1, but it was a, it was actually a comfortable 22-1, which then wow. enabled Caesar to come home under that 25 seconds. Now, what what Popovich is doing here, coming coming back in 24 flat, I mean, it's just it's another world in terms of thinking, but but also in terms of the way Caesar went out was 22-1. That's a whole another world for Popovich to think about too. So I guess it's always that balance between the speed at the front and the endurance at the back, right? And and playing with with your strengths. Uh, would you agree, George? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. You, uh, you said it right there. And that whole group that we were, um, that you were coaching at Auburn, our strength that we had better than anybody else in the world was our, our strength training, our dry land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were doing a type of uh, Olympic lifting, a type of power training that, do you remember we'd put the t-shirts on and the paddles and mm-hmm. we'd sprint? Mm-hmm. We were doing mm-hmm. power training. We were doing explosive strength training and no other swimmers were doing that and we knew that mm-hmm. we were stronger and more explosive than everybody mm-hmm. so we were trying to play that ace trying to play that card as our advantage so we were going out fast we were using our speed we were trying to break people's spirits in the beginning of the race mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Popovich is taking a different approach it's more of the one of, of sensitivity and um, and composure and pacing and and the feel. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I actually was, I was, I, I got a, a direct message the other day from Matthew Santana, a, a Brazilian swimmer. And, and he was like, um, should he do this? Should he do that? And I said, well, I think that's what he's trying to figure out right now. Uh, you know, he's trying, if you have a look at Popovich from the, the start of the summer and what he's been doing in his hundreds, he's been experimenting. He's been playing with the speed. How fast is too fast? How strong can I come back after going out strong? Um, what about if I go out soft? How fast can I come back? I think he's discovered right now that he hasn't got the ability to come back in 23 seconds, or at least he hasn't figured it out. I mean, he, I'm sure he's got the ability. Don't get me wrong. Mm. The ability is not the word. What he hasn't figured out is how to do it yet. It's there, and I think if he just he needs more time experimenting and playing, this kid will come back in 23 seconds and that's going to mm-hmm. blow everybody's mind. That's a whole nother level of speed coming off that wall. If anybody's tried to come back in, in under 25 seconds, you realize how difficult this is. And so, um, George, we spent many uh, a workout doing back end speed where we were playing with this, trying to come back on that second 50. You remember? Definitely. Ooh, how could I forget? <laughs> What's interesting uh, coming to me now is that if, David Popovici was currently training the way we trained, you know, mm. full on power, explosivity. He, he wouldn't be as fast as he is now. I think that there are benefits that he's enjoying from having a, a relationship with his coach for many years, since he's nine years old. Mm. He is working with his own nature. He says, all right, what are, what are my strengths, my sensitivity for the water, my feel, my self-awareness, <clears throat> my strength to weight ratio. And he's taken that trajectory. Now, maybe if Caesar was still around and Caesar had taken the trajectory of sensitivity and strength to weight ratio, you know, maybe he would not have been as fast. So I think 
this raises the importance of training in alignment with your nature. Mm, yeah. you know, so like, what is my natural predisposition? All right, how can I use this? And how can I bring out the best while limiting the negative qualities? Yeah. And it's uh, you, it's good you, to have what, like a what about this, George? Does it, does it go against their nature then if, if we start to say to him, you need to get out faster? Does it go against the nature of uh, Caleb Dressel to say, "Hey, we need to work. We need to work more back end. We need to we need to make you stronger on the back end." Does it does it go against their nature then if we take away their natural gifts or or de-emphasize? I think so. Let's say we wanted to get David to go out a lot faster. He might lose his sensitivity. He might lose his feel. And if we go and we pack a whole bunch of muscle on him his strength to weight ratio might actually decrease mm. Mm -hmm. because mm. he'll get heavier as he gets stronger. And I, and I guess the reverse would, would be the same for someone like Caleb. You look at, you look at a picture of him recently mm -hmm. and you're like, Whoa, I mean, this guy is just stacked mm -hmm. with muscle. Does it work against him then? If we say, Hey, let's strip you down, let's lean you out, let's thin you up a little bit that that would kind of work in the negative for him then, wouldn't it? Yes. I think Caleb's dress is his nature is to be more explosive, to be more powerful. Now, that's just what he naturally has. Now, if we were to take that away from him and say, no, you need to be more sensitive. You need to be have a more subtle feel for the water. We need to decrease your, your weight. I think that it would be something he'd have to almost learn how to sprint in a new way again. And that mm. could be detrimental. Mm. I guess a lot of people now, especially coaches, George, maybe even some swimmers are going to ha have some doubts now and think to themselves, well, I have to lean up. I have to strip off. I have to be really good on that second 50. It, that's the only way I'm going to get to 46 or even conceivably get to 45. Um, would that be the right way to think uh, collectively? Hmm. I think we're going to see a trend towards that um where guys are going to realize that I don't need to be super big and bulky. Let me get to that optimum sweet spot of my strength to weight ratio. Maybe, you know, I might need to cut as we are approaching the competition. They might, we might see male swimmers trying to lose weight, trying to lean out in, in anticipation of the big events, like boxers do, like MMA fighters do. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of, I mean, whenever there, whenever there's like a paradigm shift like this, especially with a 17-year-old, you think, well, we've all got to do what he's doing now. And so there's going to be a lot of study on him, a lot of study on his coach, and all of, all of a sudden the pendulum's going to swing back this other way. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree that that's the right thing for everybody. I just don't, I just don't think that way. And I agree with you in terms of if you have a Caleb Dressel in your program, then, then work their strengths you know if, if yeah. speed is still their strength that should be the emphasis i would think if, yeah if it's your nature to be strong and explosive all right let's do that if it's your nature right. to be very sensitive and right and to have more of a, a lighter strength to weight lighter body and a greater strength to weight ratio let's and then more endurance let's work that yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah well, it's, a, it's interesting. I think there's this this constant play of the splits. Like the way I look at 100 freestyle is the balance of, of speed and endurance. And I think that constant play with that uh, of figuring out how fast is too fast. Um, you know, how do I how do I get that 
because it's clear, like, right, he, he's not accelerating that fourth 25. He's just maintaining speed. So everyone else is decelerating, right? Yeah. If you look at his velocity, if you look at his, and let's go back to this real quick. If you look at all these little stats where, you know, you look at his, you look at his stroke length, his velocity stayed the same. His stroke rate stayed the same. I'm sure his, uh, his length, um, his times, you know, were, were spot on. Um, so to me, it's just a maintenance of, of length and, and power and, and velocity. Uh, that, that's what it is to me. It's not, a, it's not an acceleration. It looks like he's swimming past people, but people are actually slowing people down. Slow he's just down. maintaining. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. He's yeah. got a nature to move to... Um... So would you like me to explain a little bit of the natures of different people with different examples from the sport? Please do, yes. Thank you. Okay, so from this perspective of Ayurveda, there's some people who are, are more vata type. This is more air and space, more movement, and their, their body, it's, the nervous system is more developed. This would be a good example of this would be David Popovici, Anthony Irvin, and these people have an incredible sensitivity to the water. Their nervous mm. system is able to react to the environment incredibly quickly. And if I was to, to liken this to animals in nature, it would be like a deer or a horse, you know, very sensitive to the environment. They can react extremely quickly to threats. Then mm. the second type would be what they call a pitta type. This is more of a fiery nature. These are people who are very explosive. They're very emotional, very passionate, very energetic. And they're very focused as well. Um, I would say like Morozov, very explosive. Caleb Dressel, these type of natures. That's me, George. And then the, the, yes, you. You're more <laughs> of a um, fire with a little bit of the air. <laughs> Pitta with a little bit of the vata. And then there's a third type, which is more like earthy, more grounded, more steady. This is something like in, in nature, like an elephant or a buffalo. And... Um, this nature is to be more gritty, more tough. It, it is less inclined to react quickly to the environment. It's more steady, more grounded. Um, a swimmer like Grant Hackett um, would be an mm. example of this. Very tough, very steady. They can lock into that pace and just keep that rhythm, keep it going. Mm. Mm. Now, we are all a blend, but everybody has, usually we have a predisposition to be more inclined to one type of nature. So um, me and my nature would be more of like um, a pitta, kappa, equal. I'm more of like the Grant Hackett type mixed with the Caleb Dressel Morozov type. And a little mm. bit of the sensitivity as well. Um, Caesar, I think, would have been more of the, the fiery type with a little bit of the air as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. When we see someone like Anthony and David, they're very sensitive, very... Uh, able to to sense the subtle nuances of the stroke like exactly when you start to decelerate too much then they can initiate the pull propulsion phase so there are advantages to each different type uh, george i would imagine that this would be extremely helpful for not only a swimmer to understand themselves but a coach to understand the the group dynamics as well, as well in terms of the individuals that they coach within the group not to just mm -hmm. box people in to the same type of work, right? Like yes. have a variety of types of sets, have a variety of ways that you um, inspire and to talk work, to individuals, yeah, right? To, to work with the nature. 
So mm. someone who's got a very tough, um, steady nature with a lot of endurance naturally might need to work on their nervous system. Somebody who's got a very sensitive nervous system might not need to do as much fast twitch work and they might need to work on more of, of their explosivity and their endurance. A good example of this is with racehorses. The people who understand this when they apply it to horse racing, if they have a very sensitive horse, they'll put the rider who's got more of a nature to be more steady on that horse. Mm. If they have a, a very fiery horse that wants to just bust out and kick down the doors and start charging, they're going to put also a very grounded, steady rider on that horse. And then if you have a horse who is kind of lazy in nature but has a lot of endurance, the horse that takes a while to get going in the race, they're going to put a, a rider on that horse who's got a very fiery, aggressive nature, who's going to bring out the whip sometimes and whip it. Let's go. I want to get in the race. Bring me into the mm. race. Mm. So it's interesting how you can, you can work to balance things. Mm. And I think we need to apply that to swimming as well. We even used to see this type of understanding happen in ancient Roman gladiatorial games. They found it very entertaining to put fighters with different natures against each other. So mm. instead of having like two of the big heavy mermillo type, you know, the ones with the big shield and the big helmet, slow and heavy, they used to like to put one of those to fight one of the very light, fast, twitchy guys who mm. had the net and the, um, the trident so mm. they would like they would find it very entertaining to see how these different natures would fight against each other mm. they, have they have different strengths and different weaknesses that, that reminded me of that movie troy you know when achilles wakes up and comes out and and he just grabs his sword and, and runs at the, the big oh, guy yeah. Yeah. he jumps and hits, he hits yeah, the big jump. guy with his speed. yeah yeah what, yeah achilles exactly being Achilles being Vata, very sensitive, but also with a lot of fire, very big and strong. Weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Well, this has been very insightful, George. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun to kind of talk about David, his nature, and um, his, his abilities and the things that he's done at such a young age, analyze the stroke a little bit, the technique. Um, I mean, look, I don't think, I don't think you can look at this and say, uh, that's the way you should swim, right? What you should do here is, is say, what is he doing? Well, how could I apply that to what I'm doing? And what are some of the ways that I could do some things differently? Because it's, it's not a carbon copy here. You're not, you're not going to be built like him. You're not going to think like him. You're not going to feel like him. This is not something where you can just say, do that, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is also a wake-up call for us to, as a, as a whole community of the sport, to take more of an individualistic approach to our, our swimming and not really look at what they're doing and what these people are doing. I think the internet was great. The internet decentralized swimming knowledge. Everybody could now see what was working. But at the same time, we all might have been previously trying to do what Caesar was doing or what Caleb was doing. Mm. And I think this is a wonderful reminder to say, all right, it's good to understand what works for different people. But at the same time, I need to understand what works for me. What's my nature? Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. How can I work with it to bring out the, the, cause they're all good and bad. They have pros and cons. No nature mm -hmm. by itself is better than any other nature. 
It's just to work to bring out the positive qualities and limit the negative qualities. Absolutely. Well, I think I hope that we all take this away from from this is that knowing David, talking to him and watching him perform, he he thinks bigger than maybe we 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 all you know we all think. Um, he he's not a guy that puts limits on himself. It doesn't it, it doesn't seem that way anyway. You know, like if any normal seventeen year old would think about a forty six hundred freestyle, you, they, you, it would just it'd be inconceivable to most seventeen year olds. Now he's thinking beyond that, and so it, it's it's good that we have somebody who's shown us how to think. You know, open our mind to the possibilities that that anything really is possible if you put your your mind and your body wholeheartedly into it. The 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 possibilities can be endless. And, and it's just great to see a young kid thinking that way, you know? Yeah. Thinking big, yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. And it, he's showing us, you know, actions speak louder than words. He's showing mm -hmm. us a high level of self-awareness just by his composure in the beginning of the race. Mm -hmm. Having faith, just trusting himself that he is fast and gradually accelerating into the race. Not oh. getting impulsive, not getting excited, not losing control of himself. He's very in control of himself. And when it gets difficult at the end of the race, he is very present in that, keeping that rhythm, keeping that feel. And that's a big challenge for a lot of swimmers because once it gets painful, maybe mm -hmm. 70 meters, 80 meters, you, you tend to like withdraw the consciousness almost out of the body into the mind. Just hurry up and finish hold. You, you numb yourself to be mm -hmm. able to withstand the pain at the end of the race. And what I see with him is he's, he's able to like, keep that sensitivity he's not allowing himself to to close off to the discomfort he's staying in it which gives him the feel which allows for him to maintain that distance per stroke oh, and that, yeah. that shows that, that he has a lot of toughness he has a lot of willpower he has a lot of self-awareness and self-control to do that mm -hmm. yeah very mature very mature very very mature george there was many times where my consciousness left my body at about the 75 meter mark that's for sure so yeah, you <laughs> can... yourself you know it hurts and you're like hurry up get to the end and you grit your teeth <laughs> grit you're your not, teeth you're yeah not feeling anymore uh -uh. yeah it hurts yeah it yeah, hurts well well this has been cool uh, it's nice to catch up with you again man and thanks for doing this i appreciate you. you taking the time yeah thank you very well, much take Brett. care my you friend great thanks for the support i'm a big fan Thank you. Thanks, George. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks. Have a great day, okay? You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.